Well, let's be honest. You're always singing something. I am always singing, dude. I'm a singer. You raise me up. Ooh, that was actually pretty decent, I think. I'm that was not that bad. Not, <laughs> that was a solid C minus. That was pretty good. Welcome back to Ranking 76, where we review and rank the heroes and villains of the American West. I'm Eric. I'm Matt. And today we need to get the disgusting taste of Al Swearingen out of our mouths, and we're going to do it with Seth Bullock. Good old Timothy Oliphant, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you've seen Timothy Oliphant. Decent stash. And I think we even talked about this on the the watch along. But man, when we talk about stashes, Seth Bullock... I, I mean, say, yeah, there it is. Look at uh, that. You can't even see his bottom lip. I mean, his mustache has a mustache. Go ahead. Go ahead. Describe what Seth Bullock looks like. Dude, we can't even we we have got to give his eyebrows some credit too. those things are bushy. <laughs> Seth can hide. He will have the ultimate poker face because it covers his eyes like you can't see read his eyes because you can't see them, dude. He's got some hair, man. That man's got some hair. He really does. And it's correct if I'm wrong. He is a. Was he a Pinkerton? No. Okay. A sheriff. A sheriff. He was a sheriff. He was a sheriff. I think he would. If if the opportunity arose, he would have been a Pinkerton, but it just never lined up that way. Did like in Deadwood, the TV show, did he sell hardware? Yes. Okay. Interesting. That's we'll the interesting. He sold <laughs> hardware. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Imagine you're Seth Bullock just selling big old wrenches. All right. Interesting. I like him already. I have no transition. Seth Bullock was born, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. So we've said a lot. I've said a lot of disgusting things on this podcast. I cannot believe I'm going to say this about American Hero. Seth Bullock. Are you ready? I just. (sighs) Oh, no. Was he born in North Dakota? Worse. Oh, no. Seth Bullock. Was born on. In Ontario, Canada. Oh, no. Boo. Boo. American hero, Seth Bullock. This Justin, he's Canadian. We can't trust him now. The whole episode is ruined. Five words in. Six words in. So anyway, American hero, Seth Bullock, was born on January 23rd, 1849. His father was a retired major in the British Army. Not only is his family British, they're like disgustingly British. (laughs) And depending on your source, uh, George Bullock was either a somewhat testy, hard-nosed disciplinarian or uh, 
an abusive father who used his government position as a county treasurer to steal money from the government. Yeah, not, not great. Uh, Seth's mother, Agnes, was described as natural, sweet, docile Scotswoman. And together, the couple had four boys and three girls. Due to his father's position, Seth had would access to books where he developed a love for literature and had a better education than most boys his age. Deadwood commentator Esteline Bennett would recall years later that he was a tall, lean, with a drooping mustache, keen gray eyes, a whimsical humor, a soft voice that spoke English like the much-educated gentleman he was. Also, I cannot picture little Seth Bullock without a mustache. I just can't do it. <laughs> just a little, like, seven-year-old running around. And it's already, it's like, it's there. It's better than my mustache already, currently, as a 34-year-old man. But I just, I just picture that thing hanging all over his textbooks. With a few details known, his mother Agnes dies in 1860, which was approximately the same time George was caught stealing money from the government, and then he flees to Michigan. Now, again, depending on your source, and I promise it's the last time I'm going to say that, uh, Seth and his siblings either are abandoned or they move with their father. Well, they don't want to move with their father. Seth will continuously run away in order to find a better life, but it's not quite sure. There's not a lot written down, and we're kind of going off of stories Seth told years on in life and a family history that isn't the most consistent, I'll say. Uh, a lot of family histories, like, understand it. I'm not trying to, like, say that the Bullock family is a bunch of liars. Not what I'm <laughs> trying to say, but family histories tend to be a bit... Um, when it's not written down, they tend to be a bit embellished, embellished, uh, a bit favorable. We'll say mm -hmm. favorable. That's so. a good word. That's a good word. Favorable. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, minor details. Don't come after me. Bullock family. Apparently they were very upset how Seth was displayed in, uh, Deadwood. But, really? Well, you haven't gotten to the parts yet, but you'll understand. Oh. <laughs> For a while, Seth moves in with his older sister, who had recently married a British-born American officer. <laughs> he just can't shake the British or the Canadian thing. Like, they just always have to be there. I don't like this guy already. No. <laughs> uh, his sister and her American officer husband moved together to Michigan for a time where Seth was able to claim citizen citizenship and then meet a young lady named Martha Eccles or Eccles. <gasps> the two became childhood sweethearts. Oh, according to biographer David Wolf, the experience quote, turned Bullock into a confident adult who did not back down from a challenge. He was willing to take a chance and intended to succeed at whatever he tried. And in other words, he developed a strong personality with firm opinions to match. Okay. Considering he's technically Canadian, a Canadian with strong, firm opinions just doesn't seem to work for me. That's not the stereotype. You know what I mean, eh? Eh? <laughs> I don't want to get into a fight, huh? So, I mean, maybe you just uh, win the argument, eh? <laughs> Here's some I'm going to go put some uh, tea on the kettle. <laughs> That's the British part. <laughs> How Like, it's just a firm negative 10, right? 
in every round. <laughs> like he can't come right. back. Yes. Lowest scoring guy yet. <laughs> so what I haven't done a good job of describing is 20 years has essentially passed. That's how little is written down about Seth. Seth is an ambitious 20-year-old. He decides that he needs to move to Montana in 1867 with his sister, and it doesn't seem like he had really much of a plan, as most 20-year-olds tend to not have. <laughs> but whatever he's going to do, he is going to work his way to the absolute top once he discovered what it was. He worked as a grocer for a time, but didn't seem to like it. He then worked as an auctioneer and a commission merchant, which seemed much better. Uh, which allowed him to travel the countryside and making fairly powerful connections. Only months after moving into the territory, Bullock was asked to run for the territorial legislator's seat. Months. He's 20 years old and is being asked to run for a state. He is well-liked then. Yes. The dude obviously had a charisma. So David Wolf uh, said, quote, Democrats held the political majority, but Republic Republican presidents sent fellow Republicans to administer the territory. This combination led to ineffective and corrupt administrations. Bullock came from a family of Republicans. Michigan, if you remember from George Custer's episode, which is a real weird connection, but you remember um, Michigan had one of the first uh Republican governors. Well, that just continued. Custer was Democrat. So Bullock is basically being elected because Republican presidents would send, obviously, their administration or people to the area wanting a Republican government. Bullock happened to be Republican, seemed to have a charm on him. So here we are asking a 20-year-old to run for a state senate or a state <laughs> seat, territorial seat. It's not a state yet. Uh, he didn't stand much of a chance. The Democrats are way too entrenched at this point for him to win. But you can uh, you can kind of see where Bullock's Bullock might think where he is thinking where he wants to go. Luckily for Bullock, he only had to wait four more years before he's asked to run again, where this time he is elected into the upper house of the territorial government. He served two years making uh, legislation to move the capital city from Virginia to Helena, which happened. So hip, hip, hooray. He did that. He's 24. God, I feel unaccomplished, but he's done <laughs> it. Uh, he also attempted to petition Congress to make Yellowstone a national park and build a railroad from Utah to Montana. Which he did. But she did. Yellowstone will not become a national park yet. And in fact, David Wolf spends... Uh, two pages worth of stamping home the idea that he's not the main instigator, but he does seem to get a lot of credit after it happens because he was proposing this in 1871. Right. Um, you know, it is what it is. Good for him. <laughs> Seth may have had extra motivation to see that railroad from Utah to Montana because Seth continued to write his sweetheart Martha back home. Do you see where I'm going with this? Bless her heart. Bless. So Martha's back in Michigan, and after seven years, he invites Martha to live with him. She jumps on the newly constructed rail line to Utah, where Seth meets her, and they marry each other in Utah. Probably, I kind of picture like the Niagara Falls like wedding type thing where they're maybe that's not the best comparison, but she arrives, 
He probably puts a veil on her. They go to the courthouse or whatever they do in Utah. You think right away? Yeah, it was pretty quick. (laughs) They weren't in there long. But yes, uh, they did not stay in Utah. It was, let's go, let's get hitched. I guess the the better comparison would be Vegas, huh? Not whatever I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, Vegas. Uh, You were trying to say some kind of like, I thought you were talking about like a boat in the middle of a, you know, a waterfall. You uh, know, Utah. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly what happens in Utah. You're gonna edit that out, right? We'll talk. That's... We'll chalk it up to. <laughs> Can't all be winners. I'd like to be a winner once. <laughs> never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. <laughs> you don't have to be so honest about it. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> <laughs> Less than a year, the two have their first child, Margaret, in August 1875, and while and still in the territorial legislature, Bullock joined the Montana Fire Department and becomes its chief engineer, as well as becoming its first deputy sheriff. But in 1873, he ran for sheriff of Lewison County Territory, where he won by a very narrow margin of 63 votes. Over a thousand were cast. Always vote, kids. Always vote. Yeah. So he's, I don't know, 27, 28 at this point. Territorial legislator, family with a child, um, deputy sheriff, chief engineer of the volunteer fire department in Helena. Also, inst- like, also like the founding member of the fire department. So that's disgusting to know. The Seth Bullock, he's going places. <laughs> now, as the sheriff of Lewis and Clark County, Montana, it is surprisingly calm for Bullock. It's a pretty well-established area. He would run for sheriff uh, to satisfy claims against minors who had abandoned their claims. He would throw the occasional drunk in jail for whatever drunken mishaps they might do. But the most famous story would kind of gain a reputation of its own. Originally told by Kermit Roosevelt, son of Theodore Roosevelt. Matt, I'm going to assume you don't know why that makes sense, but you will by the end of the episode. (laughs) But you also saw this in our watch along episode. This is where Bullock hangs a man from a lynch mob. Uh, mm Mm-hmm. To save him from getting destroyed by the townsfolk. So the man's name is Clell Watson, which, by the way, if you Google Clell Watson, it just brings up the Deadwood character and the Deadwood Wikipedia. So, like, that's completely taken over the real dude, but that's fine. It's not like Clell has a claim to fame outside of that. So thank you, HBO, for him, I guess. Yep, that's exactly what he does. James Parks, everybody. Yeah. Watson had stolen a horse and was engaged in a gunfight with Bullock, in which Bullock was slightly wounded in the shoulder. Watson had taken him into custody, and when Watson prepared to be hanged, a mob appeared to scare off the executioner. Only to have Bullock see that there was going to be some goddamn order in this territory, and he will be hung by law. He then climbed to the scaffold with a shotgun in hand and pulled the lever himself. 
Bullock then held off the mob for longer. Sounds true, right? Sounds. I won't saying it didn't happen. I won't say that. There is a newspaper report that makes it seem a bit toned down. <laughs> Now, this is an 1875 newspaper report. Uh, while hangings were traditionally a small amount, a small event in Montana, this particular one drew hundreds of people. Some were even climbing onto the roofs of buildings to get a view of the hanging. Bullock had to deputize multiple men to control the crowd so they didn't drive off the hangman. You're they, deputized, you're deputized, you're deputized. Everyone, oh my God. <laughs> there's supposed to be six people here and there's 6,000. Who handed out all the invites? <laughs> uh, David Wolf speculates that Bullock may have told Kermit the story himself as a bit of an embellishment, like, hey, don't you see how cool I am? Yay. Um, I will say David Wolf is the only one that seems to dispute the story. But he's also one of the very few biographers of Seth Bullock, so I do tend to think he is correct, but I also don't want to, I want that story to be true really bad, <laughs> like really, really bad. So I'm just going to say it happened. Screw it. I don't care. It happened. Bullock did not run for re-election as sheriff, and it was probably the first indication that Bullock was ready to move. He had already started a business relationship with Solomon Starr, and the two men were keeping their eye on back east on Dakota Territory. Custer had been scoping the area in 1874, and rumors of gold were growing. Bullock and Starr didn't set off for Deadwood right away, instead wanted other people to go confirm there was gold and then head back. Once they learned that the rumors of gold were true, Bullock and Starr headed for Deadwood with the idea of opening up a hardware store in an auction house. While establishing their business, they who's to say that they couldn't just become prominent political leaders? After all, Montana is heavily Democratic, and these two Republicans uh, would like to enter at the very start of the political action in Deadwood. And since Bullock had had a fair amount of success already, who's to say he couldn't just walk in and basically own the place? Right. Bullock and Starr entered Deadwood either the day before or the day after Jack McCall kills Wild Bill Hickok. So I'm sorry, everyone. Wild Bill and Seth Bullock were not best. We're not friends. But I want them to be so bad. I really was heartbroken when I found that out. <laughs> they were just getting settled into camp when they learned that the jurors allowed McCall to go free on the count of justifiable homicide, McCall claimed that Hickok had killed his brother. And fun fact, uh, Jack McCall had no brother. Oh, no. <laughs> or if he did, there was no way for him or Hickok to ever meet. Meet? Yeah. So. But they let him go. Because yay, Deadwood. Yay. What a time to be alive. <laughs> that kind of gives you an indication of just how lawless the whole town was. <laughs> Bullock and Starr set up in Deadwood and immediately start trying to turn profits. Even without a shop, Bullock uses his experience as an auctioneer and starts auctioning things off at his lot. While he would have auctioned anything to turn a profit, a family history does point out one particular item, 
and just guess the particular item that they had an abundance of. Shovels. Not shovels. Pickaxes? Not pickaxes. Very random, but a common thing. Random for our ears, but a common thing for back then. Um, rope. Chamber pots. He had chamber <laughs> pots galore. <laughs> Why? That's so weird. <laughs> and it's coming from the family history. Apparently he had an excessive amount of chamber pots, and that's what he auctioned off initially to make money the first couple of days. Yep. I mean, which to me... It, it might be true. I want it to be true now. So do you remember that scene in the pilot of Epis of Deadwood where they're starting to sell out the back of their wagon and the guy comes up and goes, oh, look in this bar of soap. I found a $5 bill. And like yeah. Seth, like, well, just picture that whole scene. But instead of handing out shovels, it's just a chamber pot. <laughs> it's up to you to picture them used or not. But that's what he's handing out. Like, that's now what's burned in my brain. <laughs> Mine's full. <laughs> <laughs> this one's used already. Oh, what do you, what did you think they found a $5 bill in their chamber pot? <laughs> I wouldn't reach in and grab nope. it. Nope. It's dead money. Dead money and dead wood. That seems like it's probably hey. a dime novel. That's probably a dime novel <laughs> title somewhere. The dead dame and dead wood. With dead money. <laughs> <laughs> Less than a year after their arrival, the two build a, store, a warehouse and an auction house at the corner of Main Street and Wall Street. Now, it doesn't take long for Bullock to grow concerned with just how rowdy the camp was. And the letter that he would write back in a letter, he would write back home, quote, we have no law and order and no prospect of either. Several murders have been committed and nothing done. The camp thought the exact same. They were holding minors courts uh, for really most several for most severe offenses. But many of the townsfolk wanted a committee that could be brought in uh, that would basically help conduct the business. An unofficial court, essentially, is what they would want, because you got to remember Deadwood shouldn't exist on the means of the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868. So there's just a hint of like. You know, the government could actually, like, kick us off here. So, like, maybe let's not screw this up for anyone kind of thing. So they don't want to establish laws, right? The Miners Court and the Board of Health and Street Commissioners form uh, the government that would hold until it is decided if Deadwood would be allowed to continue. The Miners and the Board did deploy a form of police enforcement, and Bullock was a part of it. He looked into some of the first investigations after the board was established, as well as arresting a man who was mistakenly shot and killed himself. Oh, sorry. I misquoted that. It's not what I was about to say, wait, they not, arrested a that man? Is not that what was... uh, the first You're under arrest, sir. He's dead. Thought, well, <laughs> so the, it, it's solved. We have good news. <laughs> oh, bad fumble. Uh, he was arresting a man who was mistakenly shot and killed his friend is the real word I was meant. Uh, the story goes that Sam Young was a bartender at the number 10 saloon and shot Meyer Brown bomb from also known as bummer Dan Meyer. Uh, the guy, his friend disguised himself as someone named laughing Sam, a man who had threatened to kill Sam Young. 
Meyer walked into Sam Young's bar in Laughing Sam's very distinctive overcoat. And with a combination of dim lights, do you want to know what the dim lights were made out of? Do you remember from last episode what was probably lighting them? Kerosene. Highly flammable kerosene. Love that kerosene. So anyway, between the dim lights and the alcohol, Meyer shot and killed uh, his friend due to mistaken identity. Now, Bullock obviously makes the arrest of Sam Young, but you will be shocked. (laughs) And I laughed literally out loud when I read this. Sam Young was found innocent because he didn't intend to kill his friend. (laughs) I mean, it was an accident. Okay. If that's the case, who isn't going to say the murder, every murder is an accident? I just, that tickled me beyond no end. Well, if you're not going to get punished for that, then what are we going to be doing here? What is the point of a police force? (laughs) For God's sake. So. Bullock leaves Deadwood for the first in the second half of 1876. So he's not even in Deadwood all that long, all of two months. And he accomplishes that much in those two months. Sells a hardware store, is elected to a board of, is put on a board of commissioners and is kind of a default first sheriff, but everything's kind of up in the air and unofficial. Instead, Bullock had sent his family back to Michigan. So they didn't come with him from um, Montana to Deadwood. He actually sent them back to to Michigan. Uh like which is fairly common. You would not want your family in Deadwood at this point or any other boom camp. So once he got more established, he would invite them back. Uh during which Bullock writes the territorial governor of Dakota Territory, John Pennington, asking uh if the territorial legislator was looking into a more permanent settlement in Deadwood? Hmm? Maybe. Uh, how, how are we thinking? Because I think it should be more permanent. Also, I, I volunteer as anything you want to elect me at. Very simple letter. But Pennington's like, you know what? I like this Seth Bullock and his mustache. I'm going to keep him in mind. He seems like a nice fellow. It should be no surprise that in 1877, when the territorial governor, government decides that Deadwood will not kick out its squatters and that Bullock is going to be appointed by Pennington as sheriff. He did it. Congratulations. He's the sheriff of Lawrence County, essentially. Yay! So not just Deadwood. So it's that, that's probably, that's going to be a key indicator. So he had been part sheriff, like pseudo sheriff for a couple months before he went back home. And then he leaves, writes a letter to the territorial governor. And now is the deputy sheriff or is the sheriff of Lawrence County, which includes Deadwood. Okay. Important distinction. An important distinction is Bullock is appointed sheriff. He is not elected sheriff. Bullock had only been in Deadwood for a couple of months before he went to visit his family. And then he comes back and suddenly he's sheriff. If you weren't paying attention the first time he was in camp, you might ask yourself why this newcomer is able to come in here without a vote. It's unclear how Bullock felt, uh, but he does establish the sheriff's office in his auctioneer's house and sets up a jail in his hardware store, essentially, 
and begins work. And work, there was so much work that it was dang near impossible. Not only do you have Al Swearingen, which by the way, there is like a whispered, there's a whispered agreement supposedly between Bullock and Swearingen because Bullock knew that he was not going to be able to clean up the entire town in one leap. So there's supposedly an agreement with Swearingen that I'm just going to forget the north end of town, which is where the gem was. You can have that. But the rest of town, law and order, don't cross it. We're going to be cleaning it up type of thing. Bullock would focus on the big crimes and maybe just let the drunken fights figure themselves out. Deadwood had approximately 60 saloons and 5,500 people at this point, and we're only about two years old. <laughs> and he's trying to clean it up this early, huh? <laughs> this Well, it's this early, and if you remember, even when he left, when he left Deadwood, there was about 3,000 people in camp, and he comes back six months later, and there's 55, <laughs> there's 5,000. <laughs> like, it's still growing, and you have to just think of, like, what you know when you're just in a pigsty of a mess and you just look around like i don't know where to start where to start yeah what do we do it would instead he would go after the gangs that are robbing the mining claims and then the stores he would then investigate claims of burglary and embezzlement and then take to and then uh settle land claim disputes those were the big fish let's go for those outside of deadwood obviously deadwood is making a lot of money one of the biggest uh, threats to be robbed was not actually in Deadwood itself, even though there's obviously a lot of opportunity there, but the, the highest risk was actually the road from Deadwood to Cheyenne simply because all of that money needed to get to a rail line and a bank. Deadwood didn't have a bank for now. You had to then take a two day journey over steep Hills, narrow paths, and more importantly, there's one legitimate road. It's a two-day travel. And depending on where you're at, uh, you are all by yourself with all of this money for two days, which you are just begging robbers to take all of your money. Because they know if it's going to Cheyenne, the likelihood of money being on it is pretty high like extraordinarily high. One of those. So it is no surprise that when Johnny Slaughter is driving, uh, is driving one of his caravans to from Deadwood to Cheyenne, he is, he is robbed and shot and killed. Now we talked about this very briefly in the calamity Jane's episode where she runs out and she tries to catch him and all of that thing that calamity lied about. But it's a big deal in the area because Johnny Slaughter was apparently a well-liked man. They kind of know who did it. There's an outlaw gang head by Sam Bass. And he is running with a little punk kid, I guess you could call him. His name was Reddy McKinney. They kind of just know it's them. And Bullock is furious because obviously this is a big deal. They need to be able to catch these gang members. But they're just not able to and it's going to drive him and his mustache insane but he has more fish to fry put that on the burner for just a minute that the johnny slaughter killing we're gonna plant that seed and then come back 
because now we need to talk about the Aurora Keats mining situation. Now, land claims disputes were fairly common, but there's two big companies. Well, there's a couple more big companies, but the two we're going to focus on is the Aurora and the Keats Mining Companies. The two companies had dug so close to each other that their underground tunnels essentially connected with each other, which makes it really confusing on which tunnels are whose, right? Who's? Mm -hmm. At first, there was an agreement on both sides to just continue business as usual. You find your, if you find your claim, you're just going to be able to move on, right? That is until 40 miners enter the Keats Mine and block the entrance. <laughs> so nobody can apparently get in. That's great. The next morning. If I can't have it, no one can. Right. Uh, just seems like the Aurora just decided. Uh, sorry. It just it seemed like the Keats mine just decided, well, all of it's ours now. Deal with it. And the next morning, the owners of the Aurora mine uh, said that they would have blocked and they used blasting powder to remove the miners that were in it. Jeez, get out of here now. Yeah, well, we're not messing around. Go die and explode. The two companies then exchange a brief firefight when a man named Tuttle is killed before the two groups scatter. The man of the Aurora don't go home, but instead follow the Keats back to their cabin and take and are looking to commit take revenge in person for the for Keats, who was just shot and killed. And this is where Seth Bullock comes riding up with basically two deputies. It's two deputies and Seth Bullock versus basically two very trigger happy mining camps. And he marches up to the cabin that the Keats are in. Bullock gained control by placing himself between the cabin and the armed men. Bullock does believe that the person inside the cabin did kill Tuttle, ba or Tuttle back at the mine. And not only does he gain control of the situation, again, it's like him and two other dudes. Uh, he arrests eight Keats men who are pointing guns at him as he's going up to the door. You can't, you, you're going to point that gun at me? You know what? You're under arrest. Wait, what? <laughs> Oh, it doesn't even fa I don't even think he said that. He basically just said, well, I'm going to arrest you. I'm walking up to the building. Open up. Eight men just surrender. They just give up. Without any further firefight, Seth just diffuses it. He takes him in. But then he, he gets back to Deadwood, throws him in his jail, and is like, you know what? I want more. So then he goes back out to the Keats cabin again and arrests seven more. <laughs> they also don't put up a fight, which has to be really demoralizing for them. Like, <laughs> Did he like go sit at his desk, kick his feet up and go, no, you know what? No. <laughs> he just had a little epiphany. You know what it was? Uh, his mustache told him that, you know what? We can do better. Go get them, sir. <laughs> Is that all you got, Seth? We can do better than that. You'll be shocked to know. And again, I, I'd like to think Bullock and his mustache like threw their arms up in the air because the case was thrown out because it couldn't be proven who actually killed Tuttle. They were all let go. All 15 of them? 15 of them. 
<laughs> well, I think that I think they uh they eventually like narrowed it down to a couple, but yeah. In August 1877, uh, an outlaw named D.B. May spotted three bandits who had held them up in a stagecoach three or four weeks earlier uh, and went to Deadwood and insisting that Bullock arrest him. When Bullock declined, saying that due to lack of evidence, nothing could easily readily be done. I'm going to assume he was very annoyed that he had to say that obvious truth. <laughs> like, I know he probably did rob you, but I don't know if you know this. Everyone just gets free murders and free robberies here. So come back with more evidence. We'll talk. D.B. May then went to confront the man who robbed him himself. He approached uh, the man named Prescott Webb and the two exchanged shots in the middle of town. Both men were hit, but kept firing until Webb grabbed a nearby horse. As he mounted and to make a getaway, he fired into a growing crowd of onlookers. And this is where Bullock and two deputies ran in at the sound of the gunshots. One deputy shot Webb's horse and Bullock and the other deputy approached the down man. So Webb is now laying on the ground, uh, basically just claiming he had been shot. Webb is claiming uh, he's on the ground saying that he's done for. He waits for Bullock, who just walks right up to him, gets within to a couple of feet where the outlaw draws his pistol and pulls the trigger twice. Does he get hit? No, they were two misfires. Bullock, you lucky, lucky sunga. Yes, he was. But also the brass balls just to like walk up. <laughs> you get the sense, like the vibe of Seth Bullock in Deadwood is like spot on. He's going to walk straight up to you, not give it, look you dead in the eye and be like, try me. Essentially, he does that to Webb. And Webb tries him, fires twice, and you just get the sense that Webb must have done heard the two clicks from his gun and just went, "Oh crap!" Does this... Bullock kill him? No, he doesn't. He just arrests him and takes him back to jail. Yeah, real, real good. That's Seth. He has no fear. A few months after that. Bullock has to deal with the freaking Keats mine again. You remember the Keats mine, the one he just arrested half the crew? <laughs> right. Well, turns out the business had taken a hard hit after the shootout, which led to the contractor not being able to pay his men. So the men barricaded themselves in the mine and went on strike. Now, sympathies are pretty divided, but Bullock is there to enforce the law. And it was his job to remove the miners. He's going to be playing strike buster. But he goes up to the mine and is like, hey, get out. And they're like, no. So first he yelled threats down the shaft. Well, that didn't work. Matt, what threats did he did he shout down the mine? I'm going to come down there and arrest you. Good luck. Don't make me come down there. I'm not scared of you. Didn't you hear what I did the other time? No, I think you lied. <laughs> no, I think you lied. <laughs> uh, so then that clearly wasn't working. So then Bullock just decided to starve them out. But that's obviously going to take some time. And it also turns out 
really annoyingly to Bullock that some sympathizers were able to sneak food in, and they thought uh, forcibly removing them, but worried that the neighboring town of Central City would join the miners and a riot would quite literally break out. So uh, Bullock has a think. Like, what what the heck are we going to do here? Well, he comes up with an idea. Um, He writes to Governor Pennington and asks for 50 troops. And they arrive. Hooray. Why do you need troops to break up a strike? You know, seems very uh, Pinkerton-ish. But uh, he does it. Bullock then informed the strikers that if they didn't surrender, force would be used. He stationed the troops near the perimeter of the mine, but instead... Instead of ordering the troops to fire in charge, he ordered them. Guess what he ordered them to do? Stand there and do nothing. Not quite. He asked them to send burning sulfur down the mine shaft. Ooh. Yes. The fumes filled up the mine and it caused the strikers to emerge sputtering and choking. Bullock then had them arrested where they were then returned to the mine back to its owner. Now, I don't know the results of so, so according to the CDC, I just typed in, can sulfur kill you? <laughs> From the CDC, exposure to high levels of sulfur, of carbon uh, sulfur dioxide, can be life-threatening. Exposures to 100 parts of sulfur dioxide per million is considered immediately dangerous to your life and health. Burning in the nose and mouth, uh, breathing difficulties, and severe airway obstruction occurs when miners breathe sulfur dioxide released as a result of an explosion in a copper mine. So that's great. Bullock probably did permanent damage to them, uh, but Deadwood kind of praises him for being clever and solving it in a nonviolent way. Times have changed. Year, the effect <laughs> the effects happened long many many years later yeah i just i guess it's better than the army storming them and i guess they all got out the mind but boy that's that's an escalation is what it is <laughs> and especially because the men are striking because they weren't paid Things seem to be going well for Bullock, but there's a political groundswell raising underneath his feet in the area. The Republican Party was starting to take control, and the Democrats really don't want that to happen. One of them was going to go after the appointees Pennington made, including Bullock. Do you remember when I said he was never voted for sheriff? This is where it's going to Many residents uh, weren't happy that they weren't able to vote for their own sheriff. And why is Yankton, that powerhouse of political, <laughs> that powerhouse of politics, old Yankton, South Dakota, world famous for its, pol- for its political oppression, uh, why are they able to appoint people without our vote? Now, it's kind of believed that if you would just ask the average Deadwood citizen, they would believe that Bullock was doing a pretty good job. But that's also pretty divisive to say, because obviously polite society, those who want law and order, think he's doing pretty well. However, the swear engines of the world uh, would kind of prefer less rules, please. Can we just 
continue murdering and doing whatever we want? Yeah. Oh, and also, do you remember all of those miners? Mining is a big deal in the area. Well, Bullock kind of just uh, alienated every one of them. So when Bullock, it is finally decided. Well, yeah, he dropped sulfur on him. He dropped, yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't say it's not deserved, <laughs> but he was praised for it in the time. What does everyone hate me, you think? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? But what ultimately is going to do Bullock in, and not to spoil anything, but Bullock's going to lose this election. Despite Deadwood just being a cesspool of outlaws and skullduggery, Bullock is basically chasing after Sam Bass and Reddy McKinney this entire time, and they are just escaping him every time they get close. Reddy McKinney, Sam Bass ends up leaving the area because the heat gets too big after the Johnny Slaughter murder, but Reddy McKinney robs the stagecoach from Deadwood to Cheyenne about seven times. Jeez. Yeah. He's also like 20 years old, like real brash. And Bullock just can't catch him. He is so close. Now, there is one time where Bullock is coming up on his camp and he's creeping in and he's getting really close and they're about ready to get him. And then a weapon discharged. Oh. And McKinney was able to run away. Bullock chases him for weeks. He leaves Deadwood completely. He chases him down to Iowa. Jeez. But it turns out uh, Reddy McKinney already had a warrant in Iowa. And he was arrested <laughs> before Bullock could test him. And Bullock wasn't allowed to bring him back. So as far as the citizens of Deadwood were concerned, Reddy McKinney got away got from away. Sam Bullock. So now when these special elections come in, because that's ultimately what the Democrats want, is they want these appointees to be voted uh, in an area where they can kind of control the vote. And they know minors are a fair amount of the population and they should be able to grease the wheels to get election to win the election. And it works. Bullock is not elected. And wouldn't you know, and I think a lot of people would be shocked to know, Seth Bullock would re would uh would wait two years and run for uh Deadwood Sheriff again, but he loses again. It will be the last time he runs for sheriff. He will not be the sheriff of Deadwood ever again. Dang. After essentially like nine months of being the main guy. Huh. Now he's not completely out of, uh, out of law enforcement, but it is kind of his retirement phase of it. He Pennington still had him appointed as like a county, as like a, a deputy marshal. And that kind of his jurisdiction was larger, but he wasn't really going out making too many arrests. He had other people that would do that. Uh, but as far as Deadwood and his law enforcement career goes, as far as like working the beat, I guess. It's no. done. So. That's something. 
So what did Bullock do? The answer is a little bit of everything. Bullock wasn't the type of person who would just sit around. Outside of his deputy marshal's office, he was adamant that maybe Deadwood should organize a fire department. Everyone, look at all of these kerosene lamps that is essentially kindling. <laughs> Can we please, pretty please, make a volunteer fire department? Bullock made strong initial pushes and even saw the equipment ordered, such as a hose, a ladder, and an engine, were brought in. And 70 volunteers formed three different companies in the county. And then Bullock just kind of says, well, I've played my part. I'm done. Which is kind of a common theme for Seth. He was the idea guy. He would do the initial push and then he would be like, oh, now it's your thing. And if nobody picked up the thing he was handing off and it just kind of sat there, which I guess is a fine management technique if it works for you and you have somebody to pick up that ball. <laughs> but when the ball you're leaving on the ground is the fire department in a box of firewood that is deadwood, want to double check on that maybe just keep that one going huh like let's make this our baby uh but he doesn't um what's the worst that could happen hmm. the gem burned down <laughs> oh. well we don't know that nothing bad has happened yet uh bullock looks the other way and he actually leaves for a time uh to be with his family in michigan and then bullock uses else his company elsewhere other things. Now, I'm going to kind of jump the timeline a bit because um, the last, I mean, last couple, last couple, last, well, 40 years of his life, um, Bullock does so many things. And the only way to make it really impressive, I'm not going to go into detail and do all of them, but the only way to make it impressive is if I just literally list what he did. So after he was never the sheriff in Deadwood again. Uh, we're going to jump the timeline. So again, he's going to rebuild the Bullock and Star hardware store after the Great Fire burns it down. He then builds three other Bullock and Star hardware stores in the Black Hills. He invests in numerous mineral claims, though he never did strike it rich. He established a dairy farm and they soon became ranchers. They then established and in invested in a bank. They land speculated. He uh, added land, specula land speculation to his resume. He bred and raced horses, and he had numerous, so many committees. I'm not kidding you. The man loved himself a good committee uh, <laughs> with multiple fun fundraisers and joint business specials. Also the deputy sheriff thing, which again, kind of the back burner. You can tell he was a busy guy. Now we got to go back to that fire, that uh, volunteer fire department. As we talked in the last episode with Swearingen, the kindling that is Deadwood, South Dakota, or Dakota Territory, uh, in the early morning of September 26, 1879, a fire broke out in a bakery uh, that spread out to numerous buildings, which wasn't a big deal until it hit a hardware store, not Bullock's. Uh, that had eight kegs of blasting powder, which sprayed fiery debris all across town. Long story short, most of Deadwood burnt down. Ironically, the steam engine uh, Bullock ordered was in town 
it was just never installed. So because he gave up because he just <laughs> he he had a good start. But yes, he just that the fire department was just sitting there. It was all new and used. They just needed somebody to love it. It's like that little Tamagotchi. If you remember those things that you put in your pocket and raise your pet, if you don't feed it, it dies. Imagine this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With real consequences. <laughs> with real consequences. <laughs> At the end, only two residential neighborhoods survived the Great Fire of 1879, 75 homes, and approximately 100 businesses, a total damage worth an estimate of $1.4 million. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And as I said earlier, ironically, the steam engine Bullock had ordered was just sitting there the whole time, just begging to be used. But Bullock and Star did lose most of their business assets, but did still have about $20,000 plus insurance money. Bullock was actually smart enough to build a fireproof with most of his inventory in it. So he was him and Star. Uh, so he didn't lose too much. No. Well, re remember, he built the jail out of his own property. So I'm assuming he just, as soon as they built the new jail, he turned that back into his inventory and his stock. The two men built a small shop, basically right outside their old hardware store and employed six men to start manufacturing whatever goods that people needed. Doors, shutters, anything that could be made with the available timber, they made it. Then then hired more men to construct a new, for a new storefront plus a post office on Main Street. Once the construction began, the citizens of Deadwood wanted Bullock to be on a six-person committee called the Citizens Committee that would help rebuild the town. Now, there's no real authority for the Citizens Committee other than the town basically said, we'll go with whatever you want. It's also the same committee that you remember in last episode, Swearingen wrote and said, hey, why don't we install some water mains? Yeah. Same, same thing, like that Bullock was making that happen. Outside of Deadwood, Bullock and Star start the very cleverly named S&B Ranch. Yep. You couldn't call huh. it the other way around because that would be too funny. The BS Ranch? <laughs> Can't call it the BS Ranch. So the S&B Ranch, which I would like to think Star was like, are you kidding? Or uh, Bullock was like, are you kidding me? I want my name first. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Can you imagine the brand? Is it just the poop emoji? <laughs> so Bullock and Star expanded their ranch uh, and had been doing so for a while. It's kind of started off as like uh, probably not their main priority, but eventually they keep getting more and more land. And they kind of do so in. I'm not going to say like. Crim I'm not going to go as far as say it's criminal, but they're less than admirable means on how they get their land. Bullock would in Bullock and Star would employ men to make claims on federal law, such as the Homestead Act, which basically said, if you work the land for X amount of years, we will give you this land for basically free. Bullock would then have other people make claims for him. He would then sell the land to them. Um, it also turns out that he wasn't against uh forging not necessarily forging a sale but it was kind of well known that the person who claimed the land didn't really claim the land and sold bullock 
the deed. It kind of reminds me of the James Bowie land land fraud. Now, uh, Bullock wanted to own it. So it's not the exact same that they, that Bowie was doing and Bowie was just trying to sell it back at tremendous profits to himself. But, um, it seems, I don't want to say like a victimless crime, but it's not great to have that on Bullock's reputation. Yeah. I don't know. He just, he bought land that he knew wasn't maybe a hundred percent legal to buy, but Hey, when the Fort Laramie treaty bans everyone for being on there anyway, and you're breaking that law, who's to say you can't do it anyway. In 1880, Deadwood had talked about building a railroad to pull the deposits. What? Mm, Jesus Christ. So to beginning in 1880, Bullock has put on yet another committee. This one is really important one because Deadwood, in order for it to take the next step, it's going to need a railroad to come to it. Now, this is going to be a long process for Bullock. We're not going to cover it in detail because I don't think that's good podcast content (laughs) to talk about a committee on a railroad going to a small boom camp. (laughs) But just know Bullock uh, gets obsessed with the idea of bringing a railroad to Deadwood because we just talked about what the means are to get the gold from Deadwood to Cheyenne, just build from Cheyenne to Deadwood or from Helena to Deadwood. Not only will you get the money there faster and safer, but you'll also be able to bring in more common goods. And who's to say, if you happen to have a lot of land for the railroad to come through, who's to say you don't, you know, maybe sell off some of your land to the railroad at a handsome profit. Right. Who's to say, (laughs) so bullock then starts surveying some land uh for the railroad to potentially go through but again he he kind of does the same thing he did with the fire department he says i have a great idea here's the first three things we should do the fourth thing i don't care someone else take care of it i have other things to look at bye kind of did it again so you will be shocked that multiple railroads don't come to Deadwood for a while. Like 1890 is one that's going to actually show up. And what's really Shoot. going to aggravate Bullock, it's not going to be from any of his committees that they show up. But <laughs> he did meet a lot of them. He was very influential of like getting people to think like, no, we probably should put a railroad in there. So I don't want to say he deserves no credit for the railroad coming to Deadwood, but he wasn't the one that actually did it. He didn't bring it across the finish line. So no credit for him. Outside of his railroad committee work, Bullock invested in mineral claims and strikes and had marginal success so far. Nothing great, but he's kind of making money. Um, but what you can kind of tell, he kind of has his hand in multiple pots and all of them are kind of generating him revenue. So he's not particularly wealthy, but he's obviously better off than most. Like he has a lot of revenue streams to go through. Another investment Bullock went into was a bank, which was very closely tied to his mineral company, which is again called the Iron Hill Company. Uh, But unfortunately for Bullock, there's going to be a national depression and it's not like banks are very well structured in this era. 
once a bank run happens, basically the bank collapses and Bullock is out of that money. Shortly after that, the Iron Mountain Company, his company he founded for Mineral Strike, that kind of collapses at the same time. They were very much like leaning on the same leg. Like they were the same table. Once it left, the whole thing collapsed. Nearly financially ruined, Bullock has to sign property in his wife's name in order to stop it from being foreclosed. Things are looking pretty dire for Bullock at this point, but he has different hands in several pots, right? So he's not completely giving up on the railroad to Deadwood line, even though that's pretty much signed and sealed. It's not going to go the direction he wants. But what he does do is he, he sits on other towns committees. They kind of elect him. They talk it through. They believe he's going to help them. One of those towns that elects him to a railroad committee is called uh, Minnesota. Now you might ask yourself, I've never heard of Minnesota, and I'll explain to you why you haven't in just a bit. Minnesota is the county seat for the county. For those who don't know what a county seat is, it is basically in the small county. It's where the courthouse is. That's where you go to jail. It's that that's where it is. Right. Um, Minnesota would like a railroad company to go through because if railroad tracks come through, you can set up a station. You now have bigger and better things. People are more inclined to learn. You'd have a boom town just basically structured or off the railroad. So Minnesota has Bullock com uh, on this committee thinking he's going to help them. And Bullock meets with the railroad company. And he makes a deal. He goes up to the railroad company and says, I will sell you really cheap land. Uh, but let's, let's not talk about Minnesota. I have land. Do you want to build on my land near the Belfouche River? I will give you really cheap land. How cheap? I will sell you 120 acres for $1. Where the railroad company was like, well, <laughs> unless it's complete lava, we're going to take this deal. Uh, Minnesota was angry to say the least, because it looks like he just sold them down the river for his own gain. Now, again, you might ask yourself, he just sold it for a dollar. What does that matter? Well, the S&B Ranch, especially near the Belfouche River, uh, was expecting to have that same boom Minnesota wanted. So Bullock was going to gain his profits off of selling land to those who were going to come to the area, those who wanted to buy a shop, anything. And the plot works. <laughs> Bullock sets up his town and names it Belfouche. Obviously, in the Belfouche River. Belfouche still exists. If you live in Belfouche, somehow there's only like 5,000 people in town. But congratulations, Seth Bullock is the reason you're there. <laughs> Belfouche. Ugh, that's a name I've only heard a few times. Uh, so Bullock founds the town of Belfouche, but he needs to drum up some business. So he basically comes up with a newspaper that is basically a gigantic ad. Ad for what? 
add for sale uh, land for, for land auction. I'm gonna redo that. Bullock founds Belfouche and now needs to drum up interest in the area. So what does he do? He prints a newspaper, which is essentially a gigantic ad that he's just going to send to other towns. Uh, the more people that are more interested in Belfouche, the more that move there. And then also he wants to sell, uh, he wants to sell, he wants to sh uh, sell off some of his assets. Cause remember Bullock could really use some money. I don't want to say he sold the railroad company, the land for a dollar, but that was probably his best offer. One of the livestock auctions that Bullock throws was a one five day event where Bullock sold 250 horses, approximately making $30,000. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money when you're broke. And apparently uh, Bullock was really disappointed by the prices. So he thought he was going to make much more, but either way, he's not near financial ruin. Good for him. Oh, but Bullock isn't done picking on Minnesota yet. Remember how I said they were the county seat? Currently, Belfouche is the county seat uh, for the county. I forget the county it's in. I think it's Lawrence. I think it's Lawrence County. Uh, Bullock and now the citizens of Belfouche really want the county seat. So Bullock sees an opportunity and he knows that an upcoming vote to deal with that issue is coming up in 1894. Bullock spent $2,000 of his own money to build a courthouse in preparation. <laughs> he loses, he, doesn't he? He then wanted, he then invited many men around the Black Hills and mining camps and recruited people for as far as way as Wyoming and Montana. And when they showed up, they gave horse races and they gave them liquor. And for two days, they partied. And on the third day, Bullock was like, hasn't this been fun? How about you vote for Belfouche as the county seat? <laughs> and it worked. Belfouche is the county seat. Uh, there is also a little, a little funny story. Apparently, the very eager citizens of Belfouche could not wait to get the court records. So they went to Menesela, stormed their courthouse, took the public records and brought them back to Belfouche. And before a riot ensued the next day, they were forced to hand them back over. Jeez. All over court records. <laughs> Just weird. Now, apparently that story has been exaggerated, but that also comes from the family. So who's to say? Belfouche is the county seat of Butte County. If I would just read my notes where it says the 2020 population is 5,600. Suck it, Matt. Minnesota <laughs> uh, was abandoned in 1901. <laughs> Seven years later, they, they were gone. Now, we've talked about in depth about how Bullock had many powerful allies that he could go to from time to time, but we haven't quite met his most powerful ally he's going to meet because sometime around this time period, Bullock meets Theodore Roosevelt. Yes, the president, Theodore Roosevelt. Now, there's conflicting stories on what actually happens. The most famous story 
is that Teddy and Bullock randomly met on the trail. Roosevelt, Roosevelt has a horse thief in his custody, and he's taking him back to North Dakota. The horse thief's name is Crazy Steve. (laughs) Freaking Crazy Steve, man. (laughs) And apparently when Roosevelt and Crazy Steve meet Bullock on the the highway or the trail, uh, Bullock comes up with a conversation with Roosevelt and they both say like, Oh, you have crazy Steve. He's also wanted for horse theft in, in Deadwood. Will you let me take him where Roosevelt just basically says no, where they have a nice conversation at the side of the road talking about crazy Steve and how great it is to be, you know, crazy Steve. Uh, yeah. I mean, crazy Steve is probably, I, I feel like he's cockeyed. Like he has that lazy. <laughs> crazy don't ass. look at it. Don't look at him in the eyes. Which eye, which one, which one in which direction? <laughs> So, yeah, but I I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but that probably didn't happen because that story was told by, I believe, Bullock to Kermit Roosevelt. Um, When if you actually look at Theodore Roosevelt's journal, he writes down the exact moment they meet. Uh, And in 1892, Theodore Roosevelt was working as a federal service commissioner and was traveling the rail line from his old ranch in North Dakota to Deadwood. When the rail line passed by Belfouche, Roosevelt and Bullock met and had a cordial conversation. The politically astute Bullock then learned that Roosevelt's position uh, and said to Teddy, quote, well, anything civil goes with me. And then from there, they would start a, for the rest of their life, a friendship. Really? Yeah. Imagine this mustache and Teddy Roosevelt puts Teddy's to shame. Well, Teddy is a. Never mind. I like Teddy. I know. I'm just kidding. He's not great. I mean, he's not the, you know, he's, he's, I don't want to say. I thought he was your favorite. Uh, Franklin. I like Franklin, the other Roosevelt. Franklin. I think, I think Teddy is a bit, I don't want to, not overrated. That's the wrong. I like Roosevelt. He's probably like top. Five ten president. I I do like him. Uh, ten twenty top him. ten twenty for sure. Top forty seventh for sure. There you go. Congrat. There you go. <laughs> We're not trying to make anyone mad. The friendship would lay dormant for a couple years, but really take off during the Spanish-American War in 1898. The Black Hills and the surrounding area were feeling particularly patriotic in order to its quest to liberate Cuba. When they the area organized a volunteer cavalry unit in hope that they would be used in war. And in in April, 1898, Congress passed legislations to create a volunteer infantry unit of approximately 150,000 volunteers that would come specifically from the Rocky mountain area and the great plains. One of the men chosen to lead was 51 year old Seth Bullock who then gets busy trying to recruit nearly a thousand men. And when he's ready to go to war, they head down to Louisiana and were ready to deploy. But the war was already over by the time they were ready to go. (laughs) So Bullock retained the title of captain and apparently really enjoyed the title, used it throughout the rest of his life. Despite never seeing action, Bullock, uh, 
would be invited by Theodore Roosevelt to celebrate Roosevelt's Rough Riders and their achievements. The two men's friendship brew into what they're uh, brewed into something, according to David Wolf, as, quote, looked whatever that Bullock, quote, looked whatever he could to help Roosevelt politically and personally. Roosevelt returned the kindness in accepting Bullock as one of his friends, <laughs> which sounds a little sad to me, like. Bullock will do anything for Roosevelt. And Roosevelt basically said, well, you can hang out with me then. <laughs> well, too- we're friends. I'll do anything for you, sir. It's great. Anything. Okay. Well, we can hang out, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's more than that. Teddy did seem to genuinely like Roosevelt. Uh, what kind of things would Bullock do for Roosevelt? You might asking for yourself. Uh, During the presidential campaign of 1900, Roosevelt was running as the vice president and was giving speeches in in Butte, Montana. Bullock was along as a companion and a bodyguard. And due to the politics of the area, the Democratic Party was becomes more familiar to what modern day listeners would catch. So William Jennings Bryan really does start to flip the Democratic Party, who was just getting destroyed in national elections since the Civil War. This is the start of the turn where you kind of see a more familiar, like, political parties, I guess. Uh, It's not there yet. That's going to take the Great Depression and Franklin Roosevelt to really cement it, but there it is. Uh, The Black Hills and the surrounding areas were full of miners, which the Democrats were speaking to directly. Knowing the situation, Roosevelt gave a speech where it appeared that the crowd was leaning, was listening very intently, and Roosevelt believed that his speech was so good that he was winning the room full of Democrats over. When after the show, uh, he went up to Bullock, and he asked, boy, they seemed really, really into the speech. Boy, that, that was a really good speech. And I'm sure Bullock was like, yeah, it was a very good speech, but do you want to know what actually happened? Bullock sent word out that if anyone made a noise during the speech, Bullock would kill them (laughs) on the spot. And if anyone chose to test it, Bullock sat right behind Roosevelt during the speech with the gun very visible on his hip. That's awesome. When McKinley won the presidency in 1900, Bullock organized a ratification parade, and then when Roosevelt became the actual president after McKinley's assassination, the two men met in Sioux Falls in 1903, and Roosevelt and Bullock traveled together across the West. Two years later, Roosevelt would send his sons to stay with Bullock for a number of months just to give them what he believed to be a true American West experience. Apparently, Roosevelt viewed Bullock as, quote, an essential American frontiersman. That very highly of the mustache, did Teddy. The friendships led to a political appointments in which the appointment of the forest supervisor of the Black Hills, where basically Bullock would look over federal laws if somebody could cut lumber in a certain area versus if they could be on the land, what was public land, what was federal land, so on and so forth. In 1906, he was named United States Marshal for South Dakota, where Bullock would recall 
uh, doing a celebratory dinner that perhaps it was the proudest moment of his life when I received the appointment from the president. But let me be assure you that tonight is the happiest moment of my life, which I'm sure his wife was thrilled to hear. <laughs> appointed by the president, he was now sheriff of basically all of South Dakota. And that's the happiest moment of his life. I'm sure she really, really Gee, loved that. Thanks. Getting into the 1910s, Roosevelt and Bullock would continue their friendship, and after the presidency, Roosevelt traveled abroad and was feeling a bit homesick on one of his trips. So he invited Bullock and paid him to come over to London, where Roosevelt would say, quote, I wanted those Britishers to see my ideal, typical American. Bullock's health was starting to fail him later on in the decade, and he developed intestinal cancer and traveled to California to seek treatment. While he did improve, the cancer did come back approximately a year later. In 1919, when Roosevelt died in January, Bullock, dealing with, the, with uh, his intestinal cancer himself, decided to honor his friend by erecting a monument for Roosevelt in the Black Hills that ended up with a 35-foot tower dedicated to Roosevelt's life that's just three miles outside of Deadwood. It is still standing, if you care to look for it. Later that year, Seth Bullock would die of the intestinal cancer in his home on September 23, 1919, at 73 years old. He is buried at Mount Moriah Cemetery in Deadwood, a hill just above the graves of Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane, well within sight of the monument he built Teddy. What happened to his wife and kid? I'll be honest with you, I never looked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I just was curious if they ever went to live with them. <laughs> you know what's funny? Neither did he. Yeah. <laughs> he's like on his deathbed and he's like, <gasps> oh crap, I forgot them in forgot them in Michigan. <laughs> That would be funny. It wouldn't be funny, but it'd be a little funny. It's like a 50-year-old guy. Mom, when's dad coming home? (laughs) We've been waiting so long. Is this where we make a joke about cigarettes? Playing off of the pack of cigarettes? (laughs) Okay, let's rank him, shall we? May as well. We're here. Zero. Wow. First round, are you satisfied? This is our biography round where we'll be handing out negative 10 points apiece, positive 10 points apiece, depending on how well we liked a story. It wasn't as courageous as I thought. It's a bit meh, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's not negative, but it really takes the wind out of his sails when he was only the sheriff of Deadwood for like nine months. And yeah. Um, it was okay. What What do you think? I think the Deadwoods puff is pretty good. The holding off the town uh, from the guy. The, the miners are pretty cool. Uh, the arresting them. I mean, not yeah, dropping salt. Not dropping sulfur on them. Yeah, that's that's not great. <laughs> now again, he was that was viewed as a positive <laughs> back in the day because he was he settled it nonviolently, which I guess. Um, He's a man with no fear. I will give him that. But um, the rest of his story just gets so dull. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna be 
you can send your hate mail to me this time because I'm only going to give them a two. Of two? I, I was going to at least say four. I'm giving him a two because one, he got land, not illegally, but not the most fair, we'll say. He also... um. I don't like that he left so many projects open. <laughs> now, he did a lot. He deserves a lot of credit for getting the ball rolling on a lot of things, but yeah. So yes, I'm I'm going to go too. So you can you can send your hate mail my way. I understand. Are you going are you going to keep your four? Yeah. You're freaking okay. crazy. Send your hate mail to him, guys. That's and fine. gals. Six. Next round, be sure you're right, then go ahead. This is our morality round where we're handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how good we thought he was. Um, he was okay. It's fine. It wasn't perfect. Same thing. It's a big, big load of meh is what it is. He wasn't a bad guy. He seemed like a good guy. Um, he wasn't, he, he is much more tycoonish than I'd like him to be. He's not ruthless. Right. But he's also, but, I don't know, towards the end, you know, like, where he's like, I mean, it's funny, a funny story, like, where he sent word ahead or whatever for Roosevelt, right. but still kind of like, huh? Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think he was a good guy. I do think there there is a lot in Deadwood that, again, this is where the great fire of uh, the great Deadwood fire really hurts because obviously police records would have been like how many stories got burned. Like that really breaks my heart. That hurts my right. heart is what it does. <laughs> Cause there's so much of so his much, points are so probably wrapped up. Yeah. He and might so be much. a 20 and are you satisfied if mm-hmm. we had more record, but there's just not much. And what's left is just, it's good. It's not great. Same thing for, are you satisfied or uh, be sure you're right. Um, yeah, I agree. Like after Deadwood too, it was kind of just more of your typical run of the mill stuff. Important, important figure for Western South Dakota, a giant of Western South Dakota. Not much else though. Well, I mean, South Dakota in and of itself is niche. We're small people. I get it. If I had a Dude. dollar for every time someone, I've never met someone from South Dakota. You're from Minnesota, so. I spent over 10 years in South Dakota. Sure, you're basically sir. South Dakota, but you do. Eh, I moved there when I was 17, so. Yeah. You grew up, you little I silly gooberhead. I did. Belfouche. Nope. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do you have a score for him? Um, what'd you say? Nothing yet. Oh, um. Four. I'm going to go four. Okay. Good. Hey! Look, look, hey <laughs> like, I have no reason. I was think thinking and I was like, uh. Really good. Not going to be really bad. So I was going to, you know, I'll just match your four from the last round. So good. We said it at the same time. Great. He got a total score of eight. 
next round to hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on if we think he is more crazy or if he is more clever. Here's the thing. (laughs) Yes. I think he had potential to be smart. You know, he came up with good ideas. He just executed poorly or didn't execute at all. He couldn't touch the main criminal. From right. the I mean, he was caught, but it wasn't by him. Uh, nah. so, I think he was more clever. But again, it's, it's a big bag of meh. <laughs> I'm going to go three. Changing it up. Oh, yeah. I should have just kept it at a four across the board. huh? I mean... I don't think I'm going to give him points for putting sulfur down a mine. <laughs> That's positive. <laughs> um, I'll give him, I mean, he, he put his hand into a lot of things. Does that make him clever? Not really. I don't think it makes him not clever, I guess. Selling the land for $1 was kind of funny, even though it completely hosed the town that got abandoned seven years after, but that happened all the time in those type of dealings, but, or as far as like county seats, it got a little, not dirty, but like. Someone's always got to lose. Right. So I would like to see what he would, I'd like to run a simulation of his life where he actually has like big money to see if he would be a tycoon, but I don't think he would be. He just seems like a hardworking dude who is incredibly brave. And he, he had to have been smart to do that. So I'm going to go four. Oh, wow. Look at you. Grand score of seven. So Seth's score is positive. He's at positive 21 points. If he had been, so we're going to continue to add to his score. If he had been negative, we would continue to subtract points from his score. Next round, draw. How screwed are we if we get into a duel with I'm, Seth Bullock on scale of zero to ten? I don't care what you say. I'm going to base it off of uh, Deadwood. I'm I'm saying that we're, for once, I'm actually saying we're screwed. Are you? Is it because his mustache would also probably have a gun? <laughs> or well, that's just where he draws it from. It makes from. it seem like he's so freaking, like, such a good gunman, so... I think, and I think he was, I think what, what Deadwood does a really good job of the TV show, they get the vibe of people like they nail it. Just don't pay attention to the storylines, but get like the vibe of them. And I think they nail that. But yes, if you want to envision Timothy Oliphant staring you down with his dreamy eyes, then yes. Now, are you more in trouble because you're going to be seduced or you think he's going to kill you? Oh, he's definitely going to kill me. All right. What's your score? Um, five. Five. What are you saying? I'm not glad I was going to be, I thought you were going to go like more six or seven and I was going to be, this would probably be the first time I had a score lower than yours, <laughs> but I was initially thinking five. And I just, I don't think he has fear. So I can't, I don't like going up against a guy like that. So I'm going to go 5.5. Slightly higher than you. 
uh, I feel like people are going to be outraged by his score. (laughs) 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 But I stand by it. Uh, Ten and a half. Next round. I think this is his round. Next round, Legacy. How well known is Seth Bullock? Zero to ten. Three? Oh, dead. Are you kidding me? We gave Swearingen, uh, I gave, <laughs> gave him a six, and then the same TV show. <laughs> Bullock was uh, so much I know. Money. I just wanted to, be, to kid because you said this is going to be his round. Monster. Well, what did I give uh, Swearingen? Seven? Six. I'm going to give him seven just because I hate Al so much. I think like Bullock, because of the TV show, he was he would have had a reputation. Like he would be known. He would be in this podcast without Deadwood. Deadwood. You can't say the same for Swearingen. You don't think so? No. Because Swearingen was such a minor figure. Like it was right. one saloon in one town and just bleh. there was also no reason to talk about Swearingen until HBO brought him to light. I was just going to say, why do you think they chose him? Because he was a hell of, I think they wanted him to be a villain for a couple seasons. And then he, Ian McShane just made him so lovable. Likeable. Yeah. So I'm going to go eight, which matches uh, Bullock or which matches Swearingen, I guess in my world. So score of 15 next round death bonus. Uh, we can hand out bonus points from zero to two. If we think he had a cool death story. Zero. Yeah, I mean, died of old age. Good for him. Right? Yeah, he did it. Uh, Not much to discuss there. Zero. Next round, counting coup. Confirmed ish kills divided by ten. I only found this once, and I don't even think it's a reliable source, but the only number I could find was three. Really? Dang, that's a lot of people still. More than I thought. Yep. Um, but if it's not reliable. Right. So I'm, I mean, it's. He did hang that guy. He did not. Um, yeah. Actually, I kind of want to keep it at point. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, he did hang him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. I know he killed another guy in action. We barely talked about. Oh, do you know what story I missed? What? Oh, people are going to be furious with me if they stop this episode soon. Okay, so Wyatt Earp stopped in Deadwood. (laughs) Oh, really? Very briefly. This is why I forgot it, because he was only in there for a blink. Uh, Apparently, Earp heard of Deadwood and literally just came into town and was like, hey, I'd like to be sheriff. And Bullock looked at him like, we already got a sheriff. It's, it's me. me. <laughs> so no. And Erp was like, well, okay. And then he left. <laughs> like, really? That's it. That's the story. But you have Seth Bullock meeting Wyatt Earp. Confirmed story. It did happen. <laughs> oh my God. And that that's it. There's no other juicy details. It's not like they arm wrestled for it. There wasn't a mud wrestling match for it. <laughs> it, just, it, it. It happened. So. There it is. Now people can just be mad at the score. So that is all of his points. His grand score. Actually, I'm going to, for, for context, do you remember Al Swearingen's score? Negative 40 something. 
negative 46.6. Seth Bullock scores a positive 12. 46. Point eight. <laughs> You're kidding me. He beats him by two tenths of a point. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I didn't realize it'd be so close. I didn't either until I saw it. <laughs> Which is why I didn't want to go back to the one confirmed kill that I actually talked about the hanging. So <laughs> I like that he beat Swear Engine, but just barely. Okay. Do we I have my coin. Okay, so you know you know the drill. Eric flips a coin. Whoever wins gets first dibs for their team. What is our team's up to right now? I have what, fifteen. Th- I'm at fourteen. Yeah. All right. When it, after tw- after it gets up to twenty each, we start dropping people into the free agent pool. Heads. I can't see it. Tails. That's tails. No, it's not. This is tails. Oh, yeah, that's right. Duh. Why was I thinking that was tails? This, have you been looking at... I'm going to be furious if you no, have been saying... No. Oh, I know. Because no. I don't even... I just take your word for it. I show you it on the camera, and then I put it right back in the drawer for next time. And if you've been lying to me to cherry pick, I'm going <laughs> come at you. You'll never know. I won't, but now I'm going to be looking at that freaking coin from here on out. I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't want him. I don't know who he's going to beat. Who's he going to beat? Al. Is he? Al has intrigue. I don't. Who? I mean, you can pick him on your team for now and then drop him later. I'm going to do it because I don't want I don't want Seth Bullock to be a free agent, but I don't think he's. Even though I do like having Wild Bill and Seth Bullock on my team. That is kind of cool. That is fitting. Old Montana. I have Wild Bill. No, we traded. You have Billy the Kid. Why did I get rid of Wild Bill? We traded Billy the Kid and Wild Bill Hickok straight up. Can I come can I go back on that? No. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, you know what this you know what that means? That was our thirtieth figure. Was our 30th person. Oh my goodness. We're over a third of the way there, almost half. By the time we get to like 30, no, 38, that is our halfway point. Oh my god, we're almost halfway done. Yeah. Scary. It'll happen within the end of the year. No, it won't. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I'm not dedicating myself to that. I've I've gotten so much more research heavy since we started this. So yeah, anyway. Um, that's all we have on Seth Bullock. Matt, do you have anything to add? Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, we really appreciate it. Okay, well, I'm Eric. (laughs) I'm Matt. Bye. (laughs) You're supposed to say something. (laughs) No, what do I say?